friends, officially on a Monday, we welcome you in the rain and the shine. After a long three days, Andy, we're back for draft week. I'm Adam Marbrecht, and that is the healthy, wealthy, and wise Andrew Makowitz. This might be Adam Marbrecht's favorite week of the year. Not only does he love the NFL draft, but he loves nothing more than mocking the NFL draft and maybe some mock day trades. I mean, this is really like his Super Bowl, his Christmas. Adam, how pumped are you for this week? Nothing that goes on after Thursday and the weekend will ever reach the expectations that I've set for myself, for the season, for the team, for the for the world, really. You may find out if you check the YouTube channel, there's 16,000 mock drafts between now and Thursday. But today... We come in specifically to do our mock draft, and we said last week when we were on the show that we wanted to do two things this week. So today, it's going to be what we think the New York football Giants should do in the upcoming draft. On Wednesday, we're going to go through what we think they will do in the draft. So obviously, the rumors and speculation around maybe even trade-ups, as we touched on at one point, trade-down possibilities for a guy in Dave Gettleman who's never done that in his in his career. All of those kind of things will factor in more heavily on Wednesday's mock. But today, it's about Andy Makowitz in the big chair, or myself, and trying to decide how do we best construct the best possible team for the New York football Giants. Yeah, and, and I'm excited about this. I think, um, you know, when you, we watch a lot of other people do mock drafts, they just, in their mind, take what they want, and they assume that that's going to be closest to the pin for the Giants. You know, how Dave Gettleman's thinking is, is going to be drastically different um, than how we are, but it's going to be great to find out how the roster ends up being constructed. At the end of the day, I might look around and say, well, Adam, you making that decision in round one or round two really impacted everything else. I kind of like how the board's set up for you a little bit more than me. So this is going to be really good. And then I think on Wednesday show, as you mentioned, we're going to talk more what we think the Giants are going to do. Like, get into Dave Gettleman's head. He he said, uh, you know, it's an urban myth. I don't trade back. But we all know Dave Gettleman probably will not trade back. So are you excited, Adam? Are you ready for this? What's the format? How are we going to do this? I am. I'm excited. I'm ready to roll. We're basically going to pin ourselves to about two minutes for each selection. We'll be able to bat around our thinking around each pick. If we choose to make trade downs, we can. We can even walk through some possible offers that maybe came in the door. But this basically is going to be 11, 42, 76, 116, 196, and 201. We're going to run through the first four rounds in more detail. The back end, we're just going to give you kind of the reference points of positions or guys you may want to keep your eyes on. And we'll probably post up something official on social media that says, hey, these are our lock-in targets at these spots. We're using the Pro Football Focus Draft Simulator, and we're doing this in real time. We're going to hit the ground running here. I'm going to give you first serve on it. You're going to be up on the board, Andrew Makowitz, at 11. Where are the New York Football Giants going, Andy Makowitz, GM? The you know, looking at the board, no huge surprises. Um, you know, all three of the big wide receivers are off the board, and Chase Smith. Um, and Waddle, you know, Pitts is obviously off the board. Panay Sewell's off the board. Um, what's interesting in this in this mock draft is that Kyle Pitts actually dropped to ten to Dallas, which we know Jerry would would just die a happy man if he could get Kyle Pitts at ten. Um, you know what it means for me at eleven is the the big wide receivers are off the board, so there's a little bit of a dip off. Um, you know, there's no edge rusher, you know, or outside linebacker that I'm looking at. You know, Mika Parsons is sitting there at nine. But, Adam, I have to be consistent. There's a lot of off-field off and, and maturity issues with Parsons that 
make me just want to stay away. I don't want to get, I don't want to deal with that headache again. So really what that leads me to is seeing Rashawn Slater is still on the board and sitting here and saying, you know, guard might be a little bit more of, of an issue for me than tackle. But the good news is Rashawn Slater has the ability to play both potentially. And depending on how our line shakes out, adding Rashawn Slater to this room and pushing back down on the guard spot or on the tackle spot and getting him to start with our first round draft pick, Andrew Thomas, last year is an opportunity I can't pass up. So I would take Rashawn Slater with the 11th pick. And I like it. Listen, I think that it's a sound move, right? You and I have talked about it back and forth, what it would mean for the New York football giants to lock up, quote unquote, the the offensive line positional need that they have and make it feel like it's a a feasible reality to go into this season feeling confident at, at every offensive line position. I mean, it's something that we haven't been able to say in a long time for the New York football giants. So obviously, I think that that would be a very nice uh, move for Big Blue. Now, on the other side of it, as we said, coming into it, we talk about what we think maybe Gettleman will or will not do. Uh, By the way, likewise, in this simulation, Kyle Pitts there at 10. And just for reference, all of the top five quarterbacks have gone by the time we get to our selection at 11, which I think rings pretty true, by the way. You know, if you if you if you think about the way a lot of these guys are being discussed, including Trey Lance moving up or uh, Justin Fields now getting a little bit more buzz even with the San Francisco 49ers at three, somebody's going to come up. If anybody wants him, like Mac Jones, even, he may be the guy that should be furthest out of it. I still think someone's going to come up and get him. Or, like in my simulation, it's just the Denver Broncos sitting pat and ending up getting a quality uh, QB for themselves at the ninth overall selection. The problem here for me now is, in, in the vein of what I would do, I'd be looking to trade down. I think the New York football giants are in a spot here where offensive line is obviously a big need. And we've discussed that. And I think Rashawn Slater is a fantastic selection, but when you consider the idea that edge rusher is as paramount as any spot on this team, I tried to, I tried to trade just to be clear. I wanted to trade. I fielded some phone calls. I looked for some opportunities. The Arizona Cardinals were one of those teams that wanted to come up from 16 because right now on the board, they'd have the options of a Mika Parsons, right? Even guy, teams like uh, the Chicago Bears may want to come up just to secure their player in Rashad Bateman, even though that seems like that'd be way too rich for my blood there. You you sound like Dave Gettleman. He's like, you know how many phone calls I've had where I kind of had a trade altogether and then it didn't work out, so I had to take a player? Like, that is what Adam is dealing with. You are getting gettleman as we like to, I, as we like to say. As a matter of fact, you are. Now, here's the problem, and this is and this is maybe to Gettleman's point. You can try, you can want to trade down, but it takes two to tango. So I try. I, I fielded calls from the Arizona Cardinals. I fielded calls from even the uh, the Chargers because I would have been willing to trade down a couple of spots and still get the guy that I was after. If it's me, this may be the unsexy thing. Rashad Slater is there. He solves the need. He's plug and play at the guard position. And because we're unable to have a trade back here, it means that we're going to be all the way there at 42 with other needs on our board. So we have to be willing to take best player available, plug our needs. Slater's been there consistently over the past month at the top of the draft. So it is going to be Rashawn Slater for me as well at the tackle position. And we'll move our way towards the top of the second round in 42. Before you before you go in on your selection, Andy, this is the concern, though, right? Like the the balance of this is a little bit tricky because I think you and I would both agree 
if it was possible for us to just, even with the trade downs or not, be picking at, say, 15 or 16, and if Slater was there, great, but Vera Tucker would be just as well for us, right? I, I think you'd prefer to be getting e- any of these picks a few spots back and maybe having some extra assets. Yeah, that's the tough part, it, especially um, the way the draft has played out so far in our simulations. Adam, all three of the wide receivers are off the board for me, and it sounds like they obviously were for you. Uh, if they, if one of them was on the board, does that change anything from how you're thinking or the fact that Slater's there and you can't trade back? Is he the guy that you're taking regardless of who else is, is on the board? Yeah, without the ability to trade back, I stay pretty locked into Slater. Uh, and I think on Wednesday, the discussion around if a wide receiver was there, how would that impact Dave Gettleman's thinking? I think that's the big question that's going to be interesting to watch on Thursday. Yeah, and, and that's kind of how I feel like I could see things changing. I wouldn't be upset getting a top three wide receiver because I do think that there's a drop off there, you know, when we talk about talent. Uh, but I'm happy with Rashawn Slater. Like I said, can play guard or tackle. Really makes me feel com- more comfortable with my offensive line. We've invested heavily over the last two years. And now I'm moving into the second round, and I have the 42nd pick, Adam. And so when I run this, I look down, and there's quite a few different players available. Um, you look at uh, some of the different guys like Elijah Moore that have gone uh, recently at wide receiver. There's a couple of different tackles like Alex Leatherwood that go right before me. Um, I, I don't need a, a running back, so you know Najee Harris going to the Broncos is not really that big of a deal. But really, I have one glaring need after taking Rashawn Slater, and that is some kind of situational pass rusher, outside linebacker, edge rusher. Um, you know, because I didn't address it in the first round, because I didn't see value in, in going up and getting an Ojolari or uh, you know too much risk with Jalen Phillips. I'm now sitting here kind of having to to draft for need more than just best player available. Um, And as I look at it, there's one guy that's on the board that sticks out. Maybe it's a little bit rich to be able to get him, but that's Joseph Asai out of Texas. Um, You know, the fact that he's here for me in the second round, he's got really good size at 6'4". He's explosive. He can get to the quarterback. I'm excited about it. He seems like a great prospect for me on how I'm constructing this roster during draft day. And in my first two picks, I've addressed the offensive line. I've addressed the pass rushing, um, you know, situation that we kind of have right now. And I'm actually feeling good after the first two picks. I'd say if this is the way that the Giants, you know, end up having this fall out, obviously I'm the picker. So I'm feeling pretty excited about where we're at. What, What are your thoughts so far? I like it. No, listen, I'll tell you why I like that. Because on my board, Joseph Osai goes 38 to the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. So, you know, this is the interesting thing when we and why I'm looking for those trade downs at 11 if I can. Because when you don't do it, once the run on edge rusher starts, it may not stop. So the debate starts to come up, I think. Is there a point or is there a, a mindset here for the New York football giants that if we can't move out of 11, we have to think about edge rusher as early as that may feel. So as I get into the second round, a guy like Jason Owe fell just outside at 34. He went to the Jets, right, playing in the same stadium as us. As I said, Osai goes there at, at uh, 38. And then even at 41, Nick Bolton out of Missouri went to the Detroit Lions. So now, the, see... This is why it's a difficult draft, because now as I look at the board, there's a lot of players that we're not going to be getting into, like another tackle, a Walker Little. Uh, Tevin Jenkins has fallen on my board. I'd be surprised if that was the case on case on draft night. And then you get into some more traditional inside linebackers or even wide receivers. Uh, Diami Brown is out there on the board, obviously, as well. If it's me, and this is the way the board falls right now, 
I want edge rusher and I need an edge rusher. Either I'm going to reach down the board slightly and go for a little bit more of a guy that's going to need time to develop, but currently has the exact skill set that the Giants need as far as getting after the quarterback on the edge, or I do what I think a lot of Giants fans would like, which is maybe take a wide receiver here, right? Go with a dynamic playmaker like Diami Brown, who I've talked about before and really been a fan of. But I'm going to stick to what I think it is. Offensive line, edge rusher, and then it's kind of opened up to wide receiver, et cetera. And because of that, seeing Ronnie Perkins flash here, edge rusher, Oklahoma, this is a guy that came out with a grade plus 90 in run and pass defense grades. So just like Joseph Osai, by the way, who has pass and run defense grades in plus 80, close to 84, 85. Ronnie Perkins is the guy for me. He falls here, 43rd overall rank on the board. And that, my friend, is who the New York football giants draft in the second round of my mock draft, Ronnie Perkins, edge rusher out of Oklahoma. You know, it is interesting because you look back at at, uh, what happened in mine and where Ronnie Perkins was. He was there available for me on the board. He actually went 49th uh, to the Arizona Cardinals Mm -hmm. who who needed some edge rush help there. Um, Like you said, it is interesting. You you think you have the exact prospect that you want the Giants to draft, and then all of a sudden they get taken 10 picks earlier, and you need to be able to, to, you know, go with the flow and, and adapt in some of these certain situations, you know, I thought going into this that one of those three wide receivers was going to be available in the first round. They weren't. Makes the decision a little bit easier. But if Rashawn Slater's gone and there's not a run on quarterbacks, all of a sudden I'm in a whole different ballgame. And that's really what these GMs are facing every time they go into this. You really don't know. And then, you know, the variables just continue to get exponentially larger and larger as you get into the second and third round. You know, I I would say on this one I got fortunate that, you know, Joseph Asai is is there for me. Um, But certainly, you know, we're both thinking along the same lines. We're thinking – Got to sure up the offensive line. Got to sure up edge rush at, at almost any cost. Yeah, and I think, and I think to your point personally, Osai is is behind Perkins on most draft boards by a handful of spots. But I like him better. I, I like him as a better fit for the New York Football Giants. So in that situation where they're both there, I think you made the right call going with Joseph Osai. I'm kind of not. It's not defaulting because as I read the grades there, right? Perkins, quality player, but I just think fitting the specific needs and a little bit of versatility, a little more versatile potentially coming in the door in Osai. We move now on to round three and pick 76 for the New York football giants. Andy Makowitz has taken Rashawn Slater at 11. He came back with Joseph Osai out of Texas at 42. Now on the board at 76, I know, Andy, for a fact that you're looking at the wide receiver group. And, and why is that, Adam? Because if if because if Jalen Waddle was there at eleven, you would have drafted him. So I know I know that you are on board with you know on the same page with wanting to get a quality wide receiver talent and not wanting to get too far into the weeds here in the draft and making sure you feel like you've targeted a player that you like and want to go get. Yeah, and and it, it, there's a couple of different reasons why you know at this pick right now I am looking at what is available at the wide receiver position. One is you know Sterling Shepard you know has been injured quite a bit. Um, the, you know, the cap hit in releasing Sterling Shepard after this upcoming season drops to like $2 million. So if the Giants wanted to move on from Shepard at, at any point, they could. They mm-hmm. went and got, they went in, out and, and addressed, you know, the, the number one wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. We're still trying to figure out what we have in Darius Slayton. He has shown flashes. He has shown the ability to get down the field. But also, you know, w- when he's matched up against a, a, a number one type corner, there are games where he will go catchless, which, 
is really, really tough to, to rely on, especially when you're thinking about the progression of Daniel Jones. So with all of that said, you know, we, we got a guy like John Ross in the building. Um, you know, we have some depth at the position, especially guys on our practice squad. I still want to add to the room, Adam. And I want to add in the third round to your point, because once we start getting to the fifth, sixth, seventh round, like, I don't even know if these guys are going to make the roster. We already have a ton of those, like, you know, Throw, throw, you know, lotto ticket, throw a dart at the board and hope you hit guys, right? Can I, can I, I'm going to ring the bell here and I'm going to announce your pick for you. This is, uh, this, we don't know what's, we don't know each other's selections. We don't know the draft boards, but watch this. And with the 76th overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, Andy Makowitz's New York football giants select Josh Palmer, wide receiver out of Tennessee. That would be correct, Adam. <laughs> that would be correct. It was, you know, Looking at my board, it was down between two guys I really like a lot. Josh Palmer and Nico Collins um, are still both there for me. I think, to be honest with you, I think Nico Collins has a little bit more upside, but kind of what the Giants need, Josh Palmer fits it a little bit better. He's, you know, Josh Palmer seems like a Joe Judge kind of guy, like get, get in there, work hard, do my job from, you know, the, I don't know, Adam, it, it's, it's a match made in heaven. I, we've, I've talked about Josh Palmer on this show at, you know, at least four or five different times. I really like him as a prospect getting him in the third round. I have addressed all three of the needs that I've wanted to going in. And I feel like I got top players at each of the positions. I, you know, getting Rashawn Slater in getting Joseph Asai and getting Josh Palmer. I would write the ticket for this right now. Yep. You have to feel pretty good about what you've done. Uh, I come up here on my side of things and to give you a sense of it, right? One of the players, because I'm not against taking wide receivers. There's been mocks where I've gone with Diami Brown in the second round because I think he's a, such a, a well-built, reliable, both deep and intermediate target for the New York football giants potentially. But obviously you got to make sure you're checking off the boxes of needs, but other players that I've mentioned, like Amon Ross St. Brown, he went 71 hmm. to the Denver Broncos. Other guys, uh, I think I've mentioned like Wallace, he goes even earlier up at 60 to the New Orleans Saints. So some of my kind of second, third, even into the fourth round targets have already gotten away from me here at this point of the draft, which makes it a little bit more interesting. Player like Palmer is there for me if I want. I don't evaluate him as highly maybe as you do. So I, I don't I don't know what the value would be there if he's there in the. If I find him there in the fourth round, which would I think would be a drop for him, then I'd be excited to take him. It's hard for me to come up in this particular spot and get overly excited about taking a wide receiver that I think no matter who you take is going to be a little bit of a stretch at this point or a little bit of a reach. Is, is there any other position? Yeah, is there any other position if you feel like wide receiver is is going to be a stretch and you'll look to see if you get value later? What's the other position that comes to your mind now that you've addressed offensive line and edge rush? Is it doubling down on one of those positions? Is there another area where you think we could fill, fill the gaps, Adam? Yeah. So, you know, I, I know that people have talked about cornerback being a possibility as far as, again, same thing you're speaking about the wide receiver position, building for the long-term future here. I, 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 you know, there are a couple of options on the board right now. A Calvin Joseph out of Kentucky, I think would be a really nice, has good length, nice, nice guy that you could bring into the room and develop behind some of these guys. Um, if you wanted to go, some people have said, a uh, defensive lineman might be an option here too, like a Milton w uh, Williams out of Louisiana Tech. Like, you know, you can think about these, but third round feels like just a bit too far, uh, just a bit too early, excuse me, for some of these, like, let's develop the, for the future here. And I'm not even necessarily putting Josh Palmer into that category, but I just think you, there's still guys that can plug in and be contributors. 
what I'm going to what I'm going to go for here because at the top of my board, Jabril Cox, LSU is still there. So you talk about other areas. Well, now I'm I could be looking at a guy on the inside to pair with Blake Martinez and be the future of that position. I'm going to take a little bit of I want to take a little bit of a risk here and just see if I might be able to get myself a little bit of extra value because this, as it stands right now. I'm comfortable with, but don't love what's happened in the draft so far as far as getting real and true value out of this draft for myself. So I look across the room. I get a phone call from the Chicago Bears. They want to come up a handful of spots from 83 to 76. I'm going to try to execute a trade with them, which gets accepted. Now we can debate about whether or not I got enough value, et cetera. To come up to 76, I got their 83rd pick. I also got 164 and a future fourth round selection from them. So that's what's nice here. So now at this spot where I feel like there's there's more than enough talent, and I think a lot of people would say Jabril Cox is probably the easy answer there. You got to go do it. I've now given myself an extra pick to work with here, though. So that affords me the ability to look at the board and find the best available player that's going to help this team overall. I'm in between two guys here now. Cameron Sample, edge rusher out of Tulane. He's a guy that's going to be more in the Leonard Williams mold, sliding in around across the three front here. Or a surprise selection, Andy Makowitz. And I'm actually going to think, I think I'm going to go with that su- surprise here. And this is going to probably blow, this is going to blow your socks off here, Andrew Makowitz. You're not, you're not going to see this one coming. I've given myself an extra pick, as I said, at 164. So in the third round at 83, I'm actually going to go with the Notre Dame product. Tommy Tremble, tight end. He has one of the best run blocking grades out of college at the tight end position. He's also capable of going out in routes and catching the football. And I think when you look at this roster and we talk about Evan Ingram and his deficiencies and where he may end up in the spectrum of this team and Kyle Rudolph and where he is in his career and maybe the relative disappointment of Atoa Loa and Caden Smith not being a blocking tight end, I think this is the pseudo way that you continue to bolster the protection for Daniel Jones and the ability for Saquon Barkley to have one of the biggest seasons while also building that tight end position for the future. So I go with Tommy Tremble at 83. That's an interesting one, Adam, because when you listen to some of uh, you know Dave Gettleman uh, press conferences and different things, it doesn't seem like they're really thinking about the tight end position after going out and getting Kyle Rudolph. It seems like it's it's a position of of strength for us at this moment, but you know, having having Evan Ingram on the last year of his deal and not necessarily sure where he's going to be uh, is a little bit tricky. So uh, I don't I don't mind the pick. I, I'd be okay developing that talent there. Um, but but I think you were kind of in, a, in an interesting spot where you just didn't see value in some of the other positions. Yeah, and Cameron Sample would have been an option. I think for me, I really like him a lot there. But my, my thinking on this is big picture. Now, Caden Smith, Toa Loa, you guys very well may not be here by the start of the season. This can be an Evan Ingram. Kyle Rudolph, and now Tommy Tremble room where I can put Kyle Rudolph and Tremble on on each line together when I want to run two tight end sets and really be a power as far as being the option of and the respect that teams will have to pay run versus pass. Yeah, and, and you've you've balanced things out pretty well so far during the draft. I still think, um, you know, depending on how you view wide receiver, it's probably still an area that you need. Mm-hmm. Um but but I I don't mind it. I mean you're you're taking talent. You were able to trade back and accumulate some picks. Um, we know that uh, that might be a challenge for for Gettleman. But I like the accumulation of assets um, that you're working with. Now but now for you it's onto the fourth round selection, right? One sixteen on the board. You've gone with your offensive lineman. You've gotten your edge rusher. You've gotten your wide receiver. 
again, I like to use my instincts here. I think Andy is going to try to supplement the defensive side of the ball, maybe with another linebacker. It's tough, Adam, because in these mocks, sometimes guys fall to you and it just seems pretty unfair. You know, Jamin Davis of the linebacker out of Kentucky is, you know, his average draft position has been 94. He is going through a massive slide on my board right now. He is Mr. Do-it-all, you know, inside linebacker can can run, you know, sideline to sideline. I don't know, Adam, you tell me. It seems pretty criminal that he's still on my board and available. Um, if he was there in a situation like this, I would love to pair him inside with Blake Martinez and feel like I've solidified the, uh, you know, the three, four outside line and inside linebacking positions. But sure. it, it could be a little bit of a challenge to see him drop this far when some people are saying he's like a fringe second, you know, probably a second round pick maybe. Yeah, ranked 41st overall on the board. And then, like you said, getting drafted closer to 100. He's on my board as well. I think the thing that we're that's getting missed here in this simulation and in general is that he's been rising. Like his draft stock has been rising. So I feel I feel like it's more likely that someone maybe grabs him, even if he slips from the back in the second into the third round. But I'm not I'm not going to stop you from doing it. He's there on the board for you. If you want to go with him because it's the value, I'm, I'm not going to knock you. And I would understand it, obviously, because I'm assuming if you look through your board a little bit, there's not a lot of other linebackers that jump out at you right now in this moment, this spot before you start really kind of working your way down into the hundreds and the 120s of prospect rankings. Yeah, and, and that's the problem, right? It, it, we have a bunch of inside linebackers that may be able to play some of these positions already that are kind of those dart throws that we talked about. You, you have your Tay Crowders and, and Cam Browns that, that play along the offensive, uh, you know, the out, the linebacking positions. If I, if I wait any longer to get another linebacker, it's them competing and it's a bunch of sixth and seventh round guys competing for a starting spot. If I take a guy like Davis right now, I know that, you know, he's, he's a guy that could be going in the second or third round and I'm getting him, you know, at value in the, in the hundreds right now. So with my pick, I'm going to lock that in and take Jim and Davis at 116, probably the steal of the draft. Every single year, somebody falls, right? A prospect slips. And, and if you're a team that's looking at a player like Davis and you end up taking, uh, you know, uh, Jabril Cox the round before you take Jabril Cox in the second or third round, all of a sudden your, your need hierarchy shifts. So you're not looking at Davis anymore, right? And it's going to end up coming down to a team that maybe has that need and didn't realize that he was going to be available for him. And then it becomes a steal. So I, I can't knock you taking him. It'd be interesting to see. There's always someone, maybe it will be Davis that falls. I, I'd be surprised only because his stock has seemingly been rising as we move towards the draft on Thursday. I'm up at 116 now for myself. And just like you, Davis is there. I'll go a different direction for sake of argument here. But I can make the choice of, do I want to supplement what I've done on the defensive side of the ball? I've now gotten myself a tight end in the third round. I, I Again, I think a quality pick, but I have pushed off that need at wide receiver. So the real question becomes, what am I more concerned about improving here, the offense or the defensive side of the ball? At this stage, when I look out across the landscape of it, I'm either going to be going with a wide receiver here if I can find the right talent, or I'd even be willing to supplement my offensive line play as well. I kick myself down here a little bit, Two options come to mind for me. 
You have, of course, wide receivers that we've talked about. And by the way, your Josh Palmer is still here at 116 for me. Wow. I've also highlighted, I know, and I and listen, that's maybe one of the unreal, I'd say unrealistic, right? But it depends on when these wide receiver runs happen. Another guy that's there for me is Jalen Darden out of North Texas, who I've highlighted before. Smaller school, but has all that twitchy, short, you know, tight space kind of work from a wide receiver that you maybe like. But as I work down the board, I'm going to go again, short-term, long-term here, and maybe safeguard against against any potential issues that we could run into across the offensive line. A player like Robert Hainsey out of Notre Dame. He's a player that, that is projected to be a convert over to center. He gets an incredibly high draft grade of 89.96 coming off of his last season. So it feels like in the short term, you're going to get what? competition potentially at a guard role now he plays at tackle at college but guard competition potentially for uh, a Rashawn Slater a Hernandez if he's still there we know that uh, we know that uh, Lemieux is going to be there as well so let's mix it up here I want the best possible line to get formed and then in the long term I have someone that could move to another position maybe even compete for backup swing tackle role behind Pert and behind Thomas I like the value for him here I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger at 116 and I feel comfortable taking Robert Hainsey out of Notre Dame because I have that extra pick that I grabbed with that small trade down in the third round. Now with Hainsey, you know, a lot of people are saying he could kick even further inside. Um, you know, talk, talk to me about how that impacts Nick Gates or, or anything else in your mind. Is there, is it just positional depth along the line could be a swing tackle of the future, or is it someone that could give competition to, to Gates inside? Like what, wh- where do you, where would you see that type of fit for the giants? Yes. Yeah, so, so here's the interesting thing. And I, you know, I've been pretty, pretty consistent around. I like wanting to have consistency in front of Daniel Jones, right? So that'd be Nick Gates in year number two at center, but we know that he's played at guard. We know that he's played all the way out to tackle. So now when I walk into this room, I say, well, Slater is going to be earmarked for a starting job, but does Shane Lemieux have, is he locked in to being the starting left guard? He's a fifth round selection. He played admirably, but struggled mightily in pass protection. So now when I go into training camp, I'm going to have Hainsey, Nick Gates, Rashawn Slater, and even Shane Lemieux and say, I want the best three guard center guard. And however that shakes out is going to be perfectly fine by me. And I could see a world where if Hainsey came into camp and looked strong at center, let's say now I can move Gates to a left guard role and have a Gates, Hainsey and Slater combination across the front and then allow a guy like Lemieux to be my backup across those three positions, uh, you know, three positions on the inside of the line throughout the season. So depth and strength, I think, is what I'm building with a value pick in the fourth round. I, I mean, I like it, Adam. Uh, I think we, you know, we've addressed to the Rashawn Slater situation in the first round, but I don't think the Giants are just going to add one offensive lineman in this draft. So like, clearly there's going to be another one. It's just a matter of when, and if, you know, when does the positional need start to start to factor in for them? Yeah, exactly. And now, by the way, so just quickly here, because we're not going to go into deep, deep detail with our 196 and 201s. I'll let Andy, I'm going to scan over because I have that extra pick at 164 from the trade with the Chicago Bears. I'm going to let Andy just break down what you what your positions or you know, any names you might have on your mind for later in the draft, the six round picks, developmental prospects. Where do you think the Giants will look to address some needs there? Yeah, so there's two things. One is depending on how they see Slater fitting in on that offensive line, I do think that they need to still grab another guard or a tackle to try to come in and compete for a roster spot. Um, you know, when we're getting into the 200s, it's getting a little further down the list. So uh, I think that's one area that the Giants are going to go. But there's there's clearly another area that the Giants are going to draft 
a player in at some point, and that is the running back position. So while they have all pro, all world Saquon Barkley, they wildly overpaid for uh, Devontae Booker um, to be their running back number two. They really do need an influx of, of, of talent um, and, and potentially a, a prospect that can come in and situationally do some things for the Giants. When I look at someone in particular, Adam, I think, you know, uh, Puka Williams Jr. Uh, out of Kansas is a guy mm-hmm. that has electric speed, can take the top off of a defense. And that's kind of what I'm thinking that we would need to supplement, you know, both Booker and Barkley. Barkley is great and, and it is electric. Booker can play all three downs. So you, there's not really a specific area of need that the Giants see at running back. I think a guy with elite speed and breakaway speed and get him the ball in his hands situationally could be another asset for the Giants. Yeah, I like that. I think it makes sense. And that that feels as much a build for the short and the long term, right? Another dynamic playmaker out of the backfield. And then again, you know, is Booker going to be here uh, on multiple contracts? Of course not. So, you know, locking in who's going to be behind Saquon Barkley after losing Wayne Gallman uh, this past offseason, signed with the San Francisco 49ers, tip of the hat to him. I think you're right. Remember, they have a guy like Platts Gummer in the uh, in the pipeline coming over from Europe. A player that I've liked is uh, Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo. And by the way, at my 164, he's off the board now. So th- th- this draft today has gone completely differently than I've taken it. Almost every other mock draft simulation, the Slater piece is still there, but the next three selections that I've made are not ones that I have made in most of my mocks. So now at 164, just to round things out. Um, I'm looking at who's available and what are some of the some of the potential fits to help supplement what we've done so far. Wide receiver is still a need here for me, obviously. This is a familiar name. That's Jalen Darden, North Texas wide receiver. Smaller school. You have to wonder about the competition level that he's played against. But the big benefit is that this is a kid that displays everything on tape that you want small space twitchiness, great going over the middle of the field, can get them out in space, use them out of those out-of-the-backfield routes, bubble screens to the wide receiver. I think it's a value selection. I think it gives us a guy to develop, maybe as a replacement potentially for Sterling Shepard. And while Giants fans may think it's far too late, the the wide receiver class is deep, and you can find talent all the way into the fourth and fifth round. Yeah, I mean, when you're getting back here and you're looking at these fifth-round guys, you're looking for guys to fill out roster spots, not necessarily – be a week one starter for, for teams, you know, look, look at Shane Lemieux. He, he was a, you know, a fifth round pick and came in halfway through the year and started to get some, some reps when Hernandez struggled. So you look at someone like this who, who can fill in, we know one of the wide receivers is going to be injured at some point on our team. And you just figure out where all these different guys are going to fall. You, you have a guy like John Ross or Darius Slayton. You're not, not hundred percent sure what you're going to get from them. You know, Galladay was injured for a good portion of the year last year. Adding mm-hmm. wide receiver depth is one of the reasons why I took Palmer as early as I did. So I, I like this pick. I think a little bit of the unknown at the smaller school, to your point. Um, we hope it doesn't end up translating to something like Ramsey's Barden, where, you know, came in, didn't know too much, and then uh, the film looked better than the play on the field. But when you're when you're drafting down the board this far, you you trust your scouting departments and you really hope that you can hit a home run with one of these guys. A hundred percent, man. So I'll let you just in case you haven't run through and just, you know, make those selections at those back end picks. And then to close this out before we get out the door, we'll be right back in on Wednesday, doing it from the New York football giants perspective. Remember, I wanted to trade down in this draft. It was difficult for me to find the right partner who could do it. So I, I fell into the Dave Gettleman trap. 
And then at 196 and 201, it's edge rusher Shaka Tony. So I'm doubling down on getting after the quarterback. I really like him. If you were to fall there, that'd be absolutely phenomenal selection. Keep his name on your mind for the Giants in the later rounds. And then I get that running back, Elijah Mitchell, out of Louisiana to help out in the running back room. But once I close this out, an overall draft grade of an A for the New York football Giants, as I feel like I've addressed the areas of need and with some late round picks, given some really good depth boost to key positions on this roster. Yeah, Adam, it's, they grade you up pretty well. And, and you got to be pretty excited if you walk away addressing all the positions that you did there. Um, I said from the start that we need to draft a running back at some point. So Puka Williams Jr. is there for me. And then at 201, I want to add another guard to the mix. Uh, as I said before, I don't think we are drafting just one offensive lineman. And Tristan Hoagie of BYU w- was there as a guy that you know, projects as a pure guard can, you know, fight for reps with Hernandez, Shane Lemieux and, and Zach Fulton. And uh, overall I end up getting a grade of a minus. So I'm pretty happy, but I mean, Adam, Adam ends up scoring out a little bit better, moving and shaking around the board and, and addressing different needs. We try to work the board as much as we can, but no, listen, that that's what it comes down to though. Again, and this is almost a good example of it because I've talked so much about Giants should trade down, get value, trade down, get value. Then it's draft day and nobody is willing to, you know, I I don't have the trade partner. I'm not getting the value back. And it speaks to what Gettleman said about, yeah, you want to trade down. That's awesome. But you don't want to feel like you're getting, you're getting ripped off. You want to feel like you're getting the value. So being forced to make these kind of picks, I I think changed my approach to the draft. I still managed to find a little bit of value in that third round trading down slightly. And that made it feasible to take some different positions that I normally would. This is going to be a lot of fun. When we come back in on Wednesday, it's going to be about from the New York football Giants perspective. And I, I, I will guarantee you for a fact, neither one of us is going to be making the same two first round selections. I really do not think it's going to be the case because it's based on what I think the New York football Giants want to accomplish and how their hierarchy goes. You mentioned at the top, Andy, what if a wide receiver is there at 11? I think that throws a big wrinkle. And if he's not, positional value... I think the Giants are looking at this draft class and this draft board a little bit differently than maybe you and I think they should be. Yeah, and and that's why we wanted to separate these two because when you do one mock draft, you're like, oh, is that what the Giants need? Is it what you want them to do? Is that what's in Gettleman's head? I think this is a better way to show we we would build out the roster this way. Start We would both start with offensive tackle, work our way through edge rusher, so on and so forth. I don't know if that's going to be what Dave Gettleman has in mind. There's also some different reports that are coming out this week like there will be that Gettleman likes certain players and Joe Judge likes other players. Um, so it'll get, it's going to be interesting. And neither of those players that I, I'm mentioning that the rumors are around are ones that Adam and I drafted. So, <laughs> you, you know, you know that there's going to be some some unique picks going in here, especially in the first couple of rounds with some hot names coming off the board. You better believe it. Be sure to follow us, of course, on YouTube where we broadcasted this live. Follow the podcast wherever you get your needs fulfilled. Follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast. We will post up on uh, our Instagram account the full draft profiles that we each went with, the grades that came along with it, and maybe even some supplemental information about these guys. Wednesday, the New York Football Giants, Dave Gettleman slash Joe Judge edition of the 2021 draft. Thank you for checking in with us. And Andy Makowitz would want, and he demand that you know. As always, let's go Big Blue. Bye.